want to focus on, that's the way I'm going to go. So this morning, this morning, I want to I want to throw four things at you, and you can write these down. Four things you can write them down now in advance if you like, that will really challenge us as you think about those three other men that spoke, what they spoke on, four areas in your life that I think you'll find helpful, and Lord willing, we'll, you'll have plenty of time to get to those questions as well. Um, one of the areas, I mean, if I could be so bold to tell you, I think one of the areas that I'm gifted in, because you, if you're a believer, you've, you're gifted in an area as well, is, uh, is exhortation. I love meeting with men, one, two guys, small group, one-on-one. Uh, my spouse, my Christine, my wife and I, we meet with uh, two other, actually three other couples in our church uh, in our home. And I love doing that because we can sit around the dining room table and really there's, here comes the heart. And, and here comes, I think that's where the Lord really has called me in many ways uh, to, to do that around our dining room table and have those heart-to-heart discussions. Oh, and by the way, Kirby, thank you for this morning as well. Some of you guys may miss that. I don't think it was recorded. Phil, did we ever determine that? If it was recorded? It is not recorded? Have it, meet with him and have him tell you. It was, it was excellently done, and, and I really called that, I think even in the prayer, or made mention of it, it really was a, uh, a session of premarital counseling, because I've done a lot of premarital counseling, because I've officiated several weddings in our church, and I have the privilege to do that, but it really was a premarital counseling session, and very, very helpful. The four areas I want to tell you guys about, we're going to talk about just uh, just for a little bit, is number one is your job. I mean, where you actually go and how you earn, how you make money for your family. Number two is your family. Number one, your job. Number two, your family. Number three, here's where you might start ooching down in your chair a little bit except perhaps not Sean, because of his giftedness with sharing the gospel, lost people with whom you interact. Lost people. And I'm thinking of like maybe even at your job. You go to the store. Um, it doesn't matter where you... I wound up at... I was at Walmart in Placerville. My wife and I both were. And, and you guys know I'm retired out of law enforcement, so I have no problem with crazy people. That, that doesn't, I, I don't. It just doesn't intimidate me. And it's not that I'm all raw, aggressive at them. It's just that I've just learned to, okay, yep, sounds good, and walk away from things. And there is this lady at the check, check stand, a little quick check thing, and she turns around, and not the quick check, the self-checkout. Because I was in line, my wife and I were in line, we bought a few things. And, and she turns around and she's starting to yell at some obscenities all the way through Walmart. This is Walmart and Placerville. And I'm kind of standing there, and it looked like she was looking towards me, and I'm kind of like going, thinking okay surely I haven't even I have never even talked to this woman I have no clue who she is but I kind of looked behind me thinking maybe she's yelling to somebody else well the employee was standing there and he looks at me and goes I'm so sorry and I realized as I kind of moved sideways to see if I'm oh no she was tracking on me and I'm going okay well another 5150 right (laughs) people with issues we wound up walking outside and my wife was like I think she kind of like, do something, you know, it was one of those, and I was like, no, no, let's just get in the car, we got to go. So we walked on through the parking lot, as we're getting in the trunk, 
I could hear her yelling across the parking lot. She apparently just came out the door, and she's still yelling obscenities and looking towards, even though it was nighttime, you know, the light lit the parking lot that was really bright. Um, you could see, I could see her through there, and she, my wife goes, well, do you want to like go over it? I said, no, I want to get in the car and we're leaving, and, and so we did. So I've kind of learned that, uh, that people we interact with, these are people that ultimately need the Lord. They need to hear about Christ. So that is number three, lost people with whom you interact. And sometimes those interactions may, may look a little different than you anticipated. Number four, and here's the one I would love to have spent the full 45 minutes on, was your, is your hobbies, your hobbies. And I know some of the guys have already talked about that just a little bit. And I'm defining something, uh, uh, defining something, uh, or I'm defining that as something that you not only love to do, but you s spend a significant amount of time doing that. And your hobbies can be a wide variety of things. And we'll just talk briefly about that as well. Before we go any further, let me pray. Father, thank you for these men. Thank you that uh, we have a heart to grow. That, that is why we are here. Father, I thank you for each man here that they will remember the texts and the, the, the encouragement that we have heard from the speakers in terms of challenging us to step up and to act like men. So, Father, thank you that your son was the ultimate example of a godly man. So, Father, thank you for that. Thank you that he was the man of all men's. And we can use him as an example of not only as a, as a brother, but as an example of how to be a husband and how to be a father to our children. So thank you for that. These things I pray in your son's name. Amen. I remember years ago, a pastor, uh, I can't remember his name. The name you probably would remember, but I he was down in San Diego. And he asked, us, he was on the radio, and he asked, and this is back when I was in high, I was about 20, I, I know, where, I wasn't even married yet. And he asked a question, are you satisfied where you are spiritually? Are you content? Are you satisfied with that? Now, I'm 20, and I'm I was living in Reno at the time, was not married, living in Reno, and I remember that kind of sinking into my ears, a little Dinor memory there. So I, I let it sink into my ears. And started thinking about that. Am I satisfied? And I was. Should I have been satisfied? Absolutely not. I trust that every one of you sitting here now, you are, you are unsatisfied men. In terms of your spiritual growth, where you are. We should never be satisfied because another word for satisfied is contentment. Oh, I'm content. I'm content to do what I keep on doing. I read the word, and I'm content where what I'm doing in the church and where I serve. I'm content with that. God does not want you to be content in terms of that. We're called to obviously be content. We're, we want to be content in Christ, and indeed we are. At least we should be. But he never wants us to just be stagnant and and sit there and just go, nope, this is, this is where I'm at, and I'm going to die doing exactly what I'm doing. 
right here. When we sit in our small group down here the last, the last session, I was right in here in group eight. Uh, one of the things we talked about was um, how when, when I came, uh, I used to be on staff at our church for, uh, for several years, uh, part-time. And when, it, when Pastor Dale, our original pastor, when he approached me, he said, he came to my house and he said, hey, Mark, I want you to come on. We want, we, the elders, want you to come on staff, uh, oversee the high school program. I'm going to give you a short version, by the way. And I said, hey, that's awesome. And Christine's, my wife, is there with me listening because she had to make sure that she, you know, gave me the thumbs up. And I said, great, what now, so what do I, what do I do? I was already serving in the high school program. And he said, uh, you do whatever needs to be done. And I said, uh, okay, that's vague. I said, so if like the trash needs to go out, he said, then you take the trash out. It's, it's not hard, it's easy. You just go and do what needs to be done. I'm like, fair enough. And I will tell you, I took out that trash a lot during the high school years. We called it varsity back then, not uh, disciples, but. Uh, I did that. I did that often, and I loved to to uh, to do that. I had other people approach me over those years, and say, "Hey, Mark, we want to come in and help with the high school program." And I said, "Great. What do you? What would you like to do?" And they said, uh, "Well, one of the areas I'd like to I, I want to teach." And I said, "Okay." And so then somebody else say, "Well, I want to just work in the kitchen," and uh, I, okay, the 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 best people that would approach me that wanted to work in varsity or yeah, I, sorry i call it that's high school program what they would say or what they would tell me hey i want to come and work in the high school program i would say great what do you want me to do they or what do you want they would say what do you want me to do i would tell them wait am i saying that backwards what would you like to do and they would say whatever needs to be done i went oh, i want you because i want we, we're just here to do whatever needs to be done. And I appreciated Pastor Dale even through those years, well, actually prior to those years, a lot of years, in my mid early 20s, he said, Mark, I want you to come up and you're going to sit in on this fourth and fifth grade Sunday, boys Sunday school class. I said, okay. Now, I'm not in law enforcement yet. I'm still building houses. And I said, okay. I don't know why I'm coming here, but okay, I'll sit down. I have never taught before, certainly not in any classroom setting. And so we sat there, and I just listened to Pastor Dale, and he went over with, the, with all the boys. These boys are now in their mid-40s, thereabouts, so it's been a long time ago. And, uh, and we got all done, he took the Sunday school book, and he goes, there you go, you're starting next week. I'm like, okay. So, and as, as I shared that story, even with the guys right down here, I said, I told them, I said, w one of the things that is so helpful is to be really kind of, nudged along, lovingly nudged along, because we can get content just sitting. Is it, this is easy. This isn't work at all. And the Christian life is not easy, and it is work. It does take work. It takes reading. It takes studying. It takes, takes devotion to God. So are you satisfied where you, I'll get back to my notes, sorry. Are you satisfied where you're at in your spiritual life we say we want to be more like Christ, but do we really mean it? I mean, we, I, maybe you've asked that question to somebody in your group or even this weekend so far. Do you want to be more like Christ? Or we've said, I want to be more like Christ. I, I kind of wonder sometimes, if I could just be real honest here, if, if we answer that, if we ask that question of ourselves and we go, I want to be more like Christ. Yeah, I do. Do we really mean it? Do we? 
Because it's easy when someone says, hey, brother, you want to be more like you want to be more like Christ, don't you? There isn't a person here that's going to go. No, not really. I'm pretty content where I'm at. You're not you will not answer that question that way. You'll say, absolutely, I do. The question is, do you mean it? Do you really mean it? Because if you really mean it, you're going to say, I do want to be more like Christ. I do. And I am not content where I am. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I have joy in the Lord, but I need to keep growing in the Lord. When we're alone, alone, do we ask and answer this question? Do I truly want to be more like Christ? Or when we're asked by other men, like I just talked about, if your answer is, yes, I want to be more like Christ, and you're answering this question with sincerity, then what are you doing about it? And I trust that's why every single man is here. You were at home, somebody approached you, you heard it from the pulpit or otherwise, and you said, I want to do something about it. Don't waste yesterday and today and go home and do nothing about it when you, what, based upon what you just heard. Don't waste two days of your life. Don't, don't do it. Don't waste it. It's time for a moment of truth. And you guys know our theme verse, 1 Corinthians 16. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all, that you be do, uh, let all that you do be done in love. Act like a man. Your wife, for those of you that are married, I know a couple guys here are not, but those of you who are married, and guys, if you are not married, listen to this. Women do not want to marry a guy. They want to marry a man. That's who they want to marry. They want to marry a man. That's who they need. That's who they want. You don't want to marry a girl. You want to marry a woman. That's what we need. That's who you married. That's what your wife expects from you, is to be a, a man and a man of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And I looked at that phrase, always abounding in the work of the Lord. The word abounding by implication means growth. Now there was a lot, when I did the Bible dictionary thing on that whole phrase and that word and hit these commentaries, it was like, whoa, that's like major overload on my brain. I, I, I kind of put it down into a pretty simple phrase. It means growth. Are you growing? Because if you're not, if you're not, if you are a born again believer and you are not growing, you're content. You're content with where you are. Are you growing in the work of the Lord? Number one, let's talk about those four points I gave you. Let's talk about your job. The places where you interact within the, with the world. Do your actions express holiness? And I hope you guys have a good definition of what holiness means. I kind of explain it to different folks this way. Holiness merely means set apart. God is holy, and apart from Christ, we are not. 
But with Christ, we're seen as holy, are we not? Amen? God is holy. We are not. That's set apart. That is a distinct difference between those two things. Is the world that you interact with, the people that you see at your job, do they look at you, if they knew what the word of, the definition of the word holiness was, would they look at you and go, that guy's holy? They need to look at you and go, that guy is clearly separated from us. He is different from the rest of us here in the office or here on the job site. Something is definitely different with him. Would they say that about you? I remember when Dale asked me to come on staff, what he, one of the, in fact, uh, well, come and, and come back as an elder about seven years, whatever, years ago. One of the things Pastor Dale did, he said, Mark, give me, give me some names of people you work with there at the property warehouse in the sheriff's department. And I went, because I work still there kind of part-time. And I said, yeah, no problem at all. I said, the guy that probably knows me the best is a guy named uh, Steve. He was a supervisor for me. He was a sergeant before I retired. And now we both work together. I said, he knows me really well. And he goes, I'm going to call him. And I'm like, this is Phil, by the way. Did I say Pastor Dale? This is Phil at this point. And sure enough, Phil gives this guy a call. And so I get to work, and I said, hey, Steve, did, did uh, our pastor, Pastor Layton, did he call you? He goes, yeah, I talked to him, blah, blah, blah. So he, we shared what he had asked, and I just said, okay, I hope that went well. Yeah, so, so in, needless to say, I, I came, on as, came back as an elder, so thank you, Steve. <laughs> Is your thinking different than non-believers? First, or first Colossians. How about Colossians 3, 22 through 24 says this. And this is a text you guys know, and it's important we get this text right, and we don't try to change, it mean, change its meaning to make it fit for us. So listen carefully. Bond servants, slaves, doulos, right? Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now, what I said prior to the reading of that is this. We want to be careful here, careful here not to dumb down this text to, by applying it to employer-employee relationships. Because that's not what Paul was talking about. He wasn't talking about an employer. He was talking about a master and a slave. A master and a slave. If you are in Christ, you are that slave. And you have that curios, master, sovereign one, Lord. We no longer have a will of our own. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. We should be saying literally that same prayer. Lord, here's what I want to do. Here's what I'd like to see. And nothing wrong with praying those things. But we need to end that prayer this way. But not my will. Your will be done. That's what has to happen. Why? Because I am merely a lowly household slave. I say household because you guys are in charge, keepers of your home, 
and you are responsible. The Lord has put, given you things to do, things to take care of, just like a household slave in, New Testament, in the New Testament times would understand that concept. They would understand what our jobs here are even today. They would understand that. It's like, well, yeah, you guys are slaves over the whatever your master. Who's your master? Oh, it's the Lord. Okay, well, whoever that is, you are slaves of that master, whoever he is, and you need to be doing exactly what that master, what that master would want. You need to know the master's will. You need to be able to say, I don't need to run to the master to ask him, what should I do here? Why? Because I have God's word, and I know what to do here. But maybe you're thinking, well, uh, what if I have a little doubt, a little question? Praise the Lord. Go talk to other slaves. Go ask them. Ask other godly men, in other words. That's how we need to find out, what would my master want me to do? I am an, an ambassador for God. I am his ambassador. I, the words I speak to people that I work with, I am speaking the words of God. This may be for many of them the closest thing they ever hear to the Bible because they're not going to pick it up and just read it. They're not going to necessarily do that. What they hear from you is what the Lord, thus saith the Lord, let me tell you what God thinks on this. Let me tell you what God demands on this. And the only way you can do that is by knowing what God demands and what God would say. And that's by knowing what your Bible says. It's not easy. It's not just, it's, it's not an easy task to be a believer. It's work. It's work. We're assigned to work. That slave, that household manager, in New Testament times, it wasn't like, huh, this is easy. I'm just going to kick back. Did not occur that way. It was work. They went out. They bought food. They negotiated sales transactions, you know, even purchasing lands and property, all on behalf of the master. They'd better know what that master would do before they start spending that master's resources. You'd better know what your master does before you start spending his resources on things that you think are okay. Different movies we watch, different apps that you may download, things that cost you $7.99 a month so you can watch Hallmark. Think those, think those things through. Think them through before you just go and do them. For a better understanding of this concept I was just talking about, there's a book put out by MacArthur titled The Gospel According to Jesus. I point to Russ because our home Bible study, oh, sorry, home fellowship group, uh, that's what we are just started up going through that. And, that. and that's a book that's been around for a long time. But it is really, really helpful for us to understand exactly this master and slave relationship do we fully understand that everything we do is an act of worship we're worshiping the lord in the things that we do when we keep this in mind we will relate to supervisors in the workplace in a way that represents jesus well we can show love and respect to our bosses even if they're not respectable we can show love and respect 
to the current president of the United States. Respect. Why? Why? Well, we totally disagree, at least I pray you do, totally disagree with his policies. But God, and you guys know this, God put him there. Not your vote. <laughs> I hope not your vote. And certainly not, <laughs> certainly not other people's votes. It was God that put him into office. Tipping of the hand, right? Streams of water. God's doing a mighty work. God's doing a mighty work with Israel. I don't want to go too sideways. But right now, we are on, we have the privilege to watch in full display the love that God has for Israel. He, he wants them to turn to him, his son, and recognize his son as God and as a nation they refuse that. They, Goodness, read the Old Testament. Go back 3,000 years and start reading through it. Yes, we will worship. Eh, I'm not so interested anymore. We're going to throw it aside. Yeah, we'll worship. We're not, and they over and over and over again. Complete dis disobedience. God, as you guys know, sent uh, multiple kingdoms, but three major ones off the top of my head. Egypt, the Babylonians, and the Assyrians sent those three empires to take Israel into custody, I use the word custody, but take them into slavery and use them as slaves. Did you, know, did you know the Bible says that God's the one that did that? God's the one that hardened those leaders' hearts and took to cause them to take Israel into slavery? Did you also know that God, through, I think it was in Ezekiel, said, I'm going to hold all of those empires accountable for what they did to my people. Whoa, let that sink into your mind for a while. It's like, what? That, yeah, that's what God did. Does that, does that fit with me going, wait, God, so God's hardened their hearts and they took them into custody, and now you're saying God is going to punish those people, those leaders, Whose hearts God hardened? Heart, whose hearts God hardened? He's going to hold them responsible. Yep, he is. How does that work? I don't know. I don't know. But I know that God—they're going to stand before God and give an account. They're going to do that. We can obey commands from our supervisors or whoever, even when they seem unfair. Of course, we can also appeal decisions we believe are wrong, but we can do so while still conveying integrity and respect. And that's 1 Timothy 5.1. Number one, there's your job. Do you represent Christ? Are you speaking as an ambassador for God? I hope you are. I mean, honestly, you, you, you take on the name of a Christian, a Christ one, you're representing me too. Represent me well. Represent the Lord even better. But but represent us well. Years ago, I was going into uh, Bel Air. No, not Bel Air. The other one across the freeway. That's grocery store. What is it? Uh, no, no, no. It's Rayleigh's. Is it Rayleigh's across the street? Bel Air. Bel. It was. It was Bel Air. Thank you. Wasn't safe. It was Bel Air. I'm walking into Bel Air, and there's this guy. There's this guy there who. Uh, 
out front who just didn't quite seem to fit what we might dress and look like. He very kind of long hair and very outdoorsy looking. And he's got papers and flyers in his hands. I think my boys know the story. Papers and, and think, he's passing out. And I kind of thought, okay, this guy's got to be probably have religious papers. I'm kind of curious. So I'll, I'll bite. So I walk up and say, hey, what are you passing out? And he goes, oh, here, I've got something for you. I said, well, what is this? And I knew what it was. He goes, oh, I'm just here to tell people about Jesus and, uh, and just tell them that God loves them and uh, just talk about end times. He was not a Jehovah's Witness, by the way, or a Mormon. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, now, are you from around here? He goes, yeah, yeah, I go to church. I go, oh, where do you go to church? I go to church at Gold Country Baptist Church in Shingle Springs. I went, well, that's weird. Because I've been going there, like, at the time, like, 35 years, and I, honestly, I don't recall ever seeing you. <laughs> he kind of cleared his throat, and I kind of dropped it there because it kind of embarrassed him because clearly he was lying to me <clears throat> and lying to other folks that he would tell that story to. And so I walked, went in the store, came back out, and he was long gone. I have not seen him since. But that's somebody who, or who honestly needs to hear the Lord, and I need to speak truth to him and so i challenged him on that especially when he says from gold country brother if you're going to represent the church i go to you need to represent it well so i i i honestly did not want him to say that to folks because that was not really that good all right <clears throat> number one was your job how about your family uh how about your family every man here uh runs their homes in a different way if i walked into your house you walked into my house we would, you know, because everybody here, this is kind of weird, everybody here thinks, because I do, we think that we run our houses the correct way. This is how it needs to be run. I am the standard for all homes that need to be run. You think, you're laughing, but you think the same way. Maybe that's why you're laughing. Because you think the same way. This is how all, if you have kids ages, you know, 1 to 14, this is how all homes need to be run with kids 1 to 14 years old. This is how it's got to happen. I do the same thing. If you have no kids at home, this is how homes need to be run. This is what you do in the evening. This is how they, they need to operate. But every single one of us operate our homes differently. We all do. Our tendency is to think that if you don't operate it the way I operate my home, then you are not, oh, man, you are close but you're not quite right. It's not quite there yet. Here's where you think areas that you need to fix. Your family starts with you, and all of our homes run differently, but your family starts with you. With you. Fatherhood was one of the first jobs God gave men. Immediately after creating Adam and Eve, God commanded them to what? Be fruitful and multiply, said Genesis 1.28. One of his primary purposes for marriage was offspring, so as to fill the earth with God's praises and worship. Here are 11 requirements that a godly father must lead in. I'm going to give you 11 of them, and they're, pretty, they're short. You can just take a little note. You want to take a note? It's a short little sentence. Number one, a godly father knows God. You have to know God. Leading your family spiritually involves you actually leading. So godly fatherhood begins within the heart of a man. 
He considers his own relationship with God the most important one in his life. Yep, the most important one in his life. And models that godliness for his wife and for his children. And you guys that are sitting here that are not married, you need to model that for your siblings. Because I think, at least I think you both have, the ones I'm looking at, little sisters. I know that. No, no. You want to model yourself as a godly man to your little sisters. Because someday, those little sisters are going to be women looking for a godly husband, most likely. And they can say, yep, my big brother, man, he was, I need to find a man like my big brother when I was growing up. He was a godly man. Yeah, he was 18, 19 years old, but he was godly. That's who I need to find. Like him, like all my other brothers, and like my dad. That's who I'm looking for. A godly father knows God. Number two, a godly father loves and honors his wife. It has been said that the best gift a father can give his children is to love their mother. And I think, I hope you've heard that. Even if a man is divorced or single, he can still model respectful behavior toward his children's mother. In other words, somebody who might be divorced. If he is remarried, he can demonstrate a loving relationship with his current wife. That's Ephesians 5, 25 and 28. And 28. So a godly father loves and honors his wife. Next one, a godly father accepts responsibility for his children's spiritual training. Too often, and you, you, as you guys know, my two of my sons are here, so you can go up and ask them. I mean, I, I, hey, I'll, I'm under the microscope. I have no problem with that. Ask them. They, I, I hope they say, yeah, you know, overall, actually, my dad did a pretty good job. At least I pray. Um, but they could say, yeah, he did a pretty good job overall. Some areas that were, I think were maybe a little deficient might have been this, 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 and this. They may, Good. Have them, have them tell you. And I'd like to hear from it myself because I always want to be learning and growing. Too often the children's training is left to the mother while the father considers a paycheck his contribution to the family. You may delegate much of the day-to-day -day teaching to your wife, but you still bear responsibility. In fact, if you look at Scripture just kind of closely, how are we doing on time? It's scripture closely, you'll find in there that the father gives, gives instruction and the mother gives teaching. Two different things, two different roles. The father says, here's how this needs to be done. This is what I want done. The mother says, kids, let me tell you what dad wants. Here's how we're going to do this. Here's how we're going to implement a plan. You have the responsibility of literally, thus saith the Lord. Now, that's not saying that you're rah, rah, rah. You're domineering and, and you're lording it over them. But that's where the instruction begins is from you. The teaching comes from your wife. Why? She's, she's tender, loving, things that oftentimes we are not. Fathers don't exacerbate, exacerbate or agitate or irritate or get your kids upset with you. <clears throat> Paul does not tell mothers that. He tells fathers that because that's our tendency. We bark things out. 
That's our tendency. Don't provoke your children to anger. He never says moms, don't provoke. Because moms typically don't. We do as men. A godly father, as a godly father, you must be aware of your influence. Next one. As a godly father, you must be aware of your influence. Your children watch and observe and learn from watching your behavior, regardless of what you say you believe. Sons in particular need male role models to show them how to become men. Everything you do is influencing your children. Words alone are not enough. Uh, Honestly, you know, all of our kids are out of the house. All of our kids are raised or grown. Um, (laughs) There's a sub story there. Um, That's why I love meeting with younger men in my home. That's why I love doing that, because I don't have young men in my home anymore. And yet I still want to influence them and, and help them. I mean, 41 years of marriage, coming up on 41 years, and that's worth something. And, I, and you guys know this, I love my wife. I just do. Um, many women have done excellently. I'm sure your wives have done. But my wife surpasses them all. <laughs> my wife knows where that comes from, because I say it to her often. That's Proverbs 31, towards the end. Give her the praises of your lips. Christine. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. And I hope you can say that about your wives as well. There's a guy here sitting here. I think, Jason, are you here? Jason Hill, Jason Hill. Did he have to take off? Back, back. Oh, there he is in the corner. Jason Hill. Here we go, Jason. Brace up. Here we go, man up. Jason Hill is an excellent example of one that involves his family in serving the Lord. On work days at our church, you'll typically find him, along with several of his children, working, out doing, pulling weeds, hauling rocks, moving dirt. He models what it means to be, to be, uh, to lead by example. He does that for his family. He doesn't do that for me. He doesn't do that for you. He does that for his family to see that. This is, this is what a godly man does, kids. Let's go. The next one, a godly father is consistent. A godly father is consistent. Nothing confuses children more than inconsistency, either in discipline or example. A father who is angry one minute and loving the next creates insecurity in his children. That's Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction, there it is, of the Lord. Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, knew what we as men, that we are weak in this area. And I already spoke briefly about that. We can easily provoke our children. And guys, I have done that. I think I've provoked, I know, I I, I can... (laughs) I have provoked, I have four kids. I have provoked every single one of them to anger at one time or another. I've done it because I can remember them. And that way, that, that is heavy. That weighs on me. It does. 
that's not something that's easily forgotten. Even though I said, hey, you know, Kevin, hey, I'm sorry I, when you're, you know, you're eight years old. I'm sorry, blah, 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 blah. But it's okay, Dad. You know, whatever. It's still like, well, thank you. And he's, you know, long forgotten. But guess what? It still weighs heavily on me. I mean, I can, st even now, I can sit here and still feel, feel the weight of that. It's, it's just the cost of sin. <clears throat> there is no, quote, I was just upset. That's anger that is sinful. And I shared that with a couple of guys here already about there is no, well, I was frustrated. Or I, was, I wasn't angry, I was just irritated. The Bible does not know those two words. It knows anger. You're either angry or you're not. There is no anger soft, anger light. It's a, it's a white, it's a white anger. There is, the Bible does not know that. It doesn't understand that. It understands anger. So if you get frustrated and you get irritated, you're angry. And if it's an ungodly anger, you have just sinned. If it's ungodly irritation, you just, if it's an ungodly frustration, you've just sinned. A godly father disciplines his children appropriately. Discipline is part of child rearing and should not be ignored or solely delegated to the wife. Hey guys, man, I can tell you, I could cite for you men years ago that uh, most, I don't think it really anywhere in our church anymore, that their, their high school, well actually it goes, it goes all the way down to the cubbies. Uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't anybody in here. Um, where the parents would be like, okay, come on, Johnny, come on, Caleb, time to get going. Come out of Cubbies, and, you know, and, uh, or Sean, come out of Cubbies. Didn't, uh, it, certain people acted. It's like, well, they're not coming. Dad, do you want to go in and paddle them all the way out the door? You know, that would be really, get them moving. But yet I can cite for you way more example, examples of dads, or moms, dads specifically, because that's where I, my focus is, who said, yeah, come on there, Johnny, let's go, time to come home. And they'd sit there and just keep right on playing. And, and they're trying to talk to, Dad's trying to talk to me, and I'm going, I'm thinking, well, we could stop this conversation. You can go in there and take care of Johnny if you like. Let's get him out, because he is not obeying his father. It's important that he learns to do that. Not just say it over, over, and over again, until you raise your voice, and then Johnny goes, okay, Dad raised his voice, now I have to go. I don't want to get in trouble. A godly father does not allow himself to be controlled by outside influences. There's your next one. A godly father does not allow himself to be controlled by outside influences. Addictions such as alcohol, drugs, pornography, masturbation. A godly father does not let himself get controlled by outside influences. That's not a man of God. These things often create a home environment marked by insecurity, fear, and depression. You must be controlled by the Holy Spirit. A uh, couple more. A godly father is a man under authority under authority. Due to your sinful tendencies, you will fight to be your own boss. Jesus demonstrated 
that he was a man under the authority of the Heavenly Father, of his Heavenly Father. He readily gave credit to God for his successes and submitted himself fully to the will of God. A, father, a godly father is a man under authority. Next one. A godly father will live as a man under God's authority and that of a God-given God earthly institutions such as employment, church, and government. A godly father submits himself to those things, not to the point of disobeying God the Father, but understands that we have a government that's there for our, number one, Romans 12, or Romans uh, 13, rather, one through four. We have a government that's there for our protection. You want to find a peace officer, or a, a police officer, deputy sheriff in the Bible? There he is. There's a reason that he, he, the Bible says he doesn't carry the, and I used to tell the high schoolers this, he doesn't carry the nine millimeter in vain. He carries, he, there's a reason he carries a gun. In the Bible it says sword, but I change it. To, so the kids go, oh yeah, I get that. A godly father lives as a man under the authority of employment, church, and government. And the last one, and here is a biggie. A godly father will lead. A godly father will lead. The world is in a desperate need of men who will lead wisely. Leadership is not domination or control. We've talked about that already. A leader is one who goes first. Isn't that interesting, the way warriors, we used to fight wars, uh, you know, these generals and stuff, they'd be out in front, right, going, charge, and boom, and away they go. Now they're like, okay, back, go, go, I'll right behind you. We've just kind of changed things. But a leader is somebody who says, let's go. And the way he would lead, and you're, you're, you're going to be behind somebody like that. You must set the pace for your family's family by practicing what you preach. This means you first, you must first meet the Lord in prayer. Lead them to a healthy Bible teaching church. Lead them in personal devotions. Lead them away from worldliness. Your conversation in your home between you and others should be resonating with godly values. Decisions that you make should be put up against scripture. Be willing to seek the counsel of others outside your home as well. Your children will be learning your process for decision making. You're not gonna. I, I I just don't think you need to sit down. Okay, okay, Kevin. Here's the process. Now, when you get older, here's the process that I use for decision making. And so, the first thing you want to do, Kevin, is be sure you pray. Be sure that you kind of think things. And by the way, talk to. We don't have a wife yet, but when you do, talk to your wife and then and go see. I don't have to do that. I don't think I have to do that. If I'm doing that on, putting that on display all of their young lives, they'll get to see that. They'll say, here's how my dad thought it through. I can tell you, because I was in the home at the time. God has given you every spiritual blessing to be a godly father. He has equipped you well to accomplish this task. So we've talked about your job and your family. Here's another one. How about your desire to share the gospel with the lost? I, I am convinced of this. We often don't share the gospel as we should because we don't love people as we should. There it is. I said it. We don't love people as we should. Did I use my microphone? Oh, good. There we go. We don't love people as we should. Do you love people as you should? If you're... It, it, <laughs> If you're real honest, you, I pray, I, I think you'll say, I don't love them as I should. So what should you do? 
okay, I'm just going to love them more. That's not, that's not going to work. You need to start with this, with this concept of, Lord, here's my prayer. I don't love your people. I don't love people that you love. You love the lost. I don't love them the way I should. God, help me. Convict me to love people as you do. Because I don't. Psalm 73, 25. Whom, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Think about if, if that is your prayer of thankfulness. Don't you want that prayer of thankfulness to be somebody else's as well? Man, I shared the gospel with them and they came to know Christ. And now... Look at them now. They love the Lord. They're leading. They're a leader in their church, or they're serving the Lord this way. They're a missionary on the field. To me, that right there is very satisfying and exciting. Nothing on earth. In order to have this strong sense that nothing on earth is really is really important, we must ask ourselves, how much do we really love the Lord? And is, is there something in my life I love more than Jesus? Charles Spurgeon said this: Have you no wish for others to be saved? then you're not saved yourself. Be sure of that. That was Spurgeon. My brother, uh, who passed away years ago, he, he shared the gospel with me when I was, I think, 12 years old, and he was 15. Bunk beds. He's, I'm on, I'm on, eh, I forget, I was on the top of, who doesn't matter. And he said, Mark, I just want you to, to love Jesus and, and come to know, back then he would use the term, accept Christ as your Savior, because I don't want you to die and go to hell forever. You know, you tell a 12-year-old, what? You know, our lights were off. We've just gone to bed. And I, I honestly think that was kind of my moment of salvation. But, but that was my brother, who some of you guys knew, passed away back in 1991, died of cancer, and went to our church. And, but that was somebody who loved the Lord, and he wanted to share that good news with his little brother. And that was me. Spurgeon reported how John Bunyan said, that, said this, He often felt while preaching that he could give his own salvation for the salvation of his hearers. Then Spurgeon struck the knife in, and I pity the man who has not felt the same. And we know the example of Paul doing the same thing. I, I, I would give myself for these people. For the Jews, if they would just come to know the Lord, I would sacrifice my salvation for theirs if they would just come to know the Lord. Can you stand with these men and say the same thing with this much conviction about sharing the gospel? We should have stories already to share about others, uh, with others, about how we shared the gospel with the unsaved. It should be a natural part of our conversation. Sadly, it doesn't come up that often. Lord, do I love you enough to share your story with others. Someone, somebody, lovingly, lovingly loved you enough to share the Lord with you. Somebody did. He didn't just sit there by osmosis and suddenly, it, whoa, there's a Jesus and I love him and he saved me. Didn't happen. Somebody shared the gospel with you. Last one, four is hobbies. And this is going to be short. This one's tough because you might be saying, well, I need my downtime, or I use my hobby as, I use my hobby as a ministry. Do you? Really? It sounds great. Praise the Lord. We'd be quick to go, well, praise the Lord. Here's the next question that I would ask you. 
how do you do it? How do you do that? What do you do? How do you use it as a You said it. How do you use it as a ministry? Share with me how you use that. Think about what activity you're involved in when it's not a church activity. Perhaps it's actually, it, perhaps it actually involves your children more than it directly involves you. Soccer on Sundays used to drive me crazy as the high school leader because I would have high school students that wouldn't come to church. Well, where were you, Johnny? Well, my dad took me to soccer. We had, I had soccer that morning, Sunday morning. Wow, okay, well, what did Johnny just learn? Johnny just learned that church to dad is really not that important. In fact, you know what's more important than church? Soccer. That's what's more important. And Johnny gets older and starts going through his high school years, and then pretty soon hits college and walks away from the Lord, and I've got a dad saying, where did I go wrong? I don't know what happened. I raised him in church. I don't know what happened. Oftentimes we are very good at our hobbies, and do you know why we're good at our hobbies? You know, woodworking or whatever that might be. It's likely because you've spent a great amount of time doing it. You're very skilled at it. Woodworking, whatever, whatever that hobby is, you are likely very good at it because you spend a lot of time doing it. How much devotion and time do you spend actually just reading God's word? I want to challenge you to a reading, Bible reading program. Just something that gets you in God's word. And start off small. Don't bite off more than you can chew. One of the things that I do every morning is I read God's word. I've been doing this for a long time. And it is 10 verses of scripture. And it's put out by Professor Horner of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Phil, what's the name of Master. Master's University. Don't know if he's still there. He could be retired by now. But he wrote this thing out. It's pretty simple. But reading 10 verses of the scripture, or 10, 10 verses, 10 chapters of the Bible every single day. And that's a lot. And I can do it in about, about 30 minutes, on an average of about three minutes a chapter. They, of course, they vary. But that's a lot of dedication. And it gets easier and easier as you go. Because one of the things that I was committed to when I said yes to Pastor Dale teaching fourth and fifth grade boys, when I took that over and I'm looking over the Sunday school material and it talks about the Old Testament, I told my wife, I don't really know what the Old Testament is even talking about. I don't know it. Uh, it's got some prophets in there. It's got some Psalms. I know that. A guy named Job. And I, I know it talks about creation. But that was about it. And here I am, a teacher, a teacher at Gold Country Baptist Church, and I'm not even that familiar with the Old Testament. you got to be kidding me. And so I said, that's it. I am going to dedicate myself to being a student of the Word and reading God's Word every day. Now, I did not start off 10 chapters every day, just so you know that. But I started off really reading some history of the Old Testament. I needed to know kind of the order of things. What was happening? What was going on? Just a little history is all I needed. And that really urged me on and, and, and caused me to say, I need to know God's word more and more and more. And that was really the, the nudge that Pastor Dale gave me. That's what took me to where, praise the Lord, I'm at, 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 I'm at now. So we are blessed by the Lord just for reading the word. Romans, or Romans, Revelation says that. You're going to be blessed if you just read the word. I think it's in Revelation chapter 1. So how are you really doing? Are you going to waste yesterday and today? The food was good. 
Praise the Lord. Andy's a nice guy. Praise the Lord. We're glad for him. But are you going to waste it? Don't. Don't waste this weekend. You got a wife that loves you, that wants a that wants a godly man. She didn't marry a guy, she married a godly man. Be that godly man for her. Please. Give me a minute and we'll pray. Father, thank you for each one of these men here. Father, help us not to waste this weekend. This is so important. There's so much to do. So many people that need these men. They need to hear the word of God. They need to hear your, your plan for salvation. Convict these men. Convict me. Thank you for, for sending us your Holy Spirit that is so, he is so faithful in doing just that. In your son's name we pray, amen.